This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You are with Lee Chui Lin, Sharmila Ganesan, and Sharad Kutten. Tonight, What's so great about living in cities? This comes after there's been a couple of stories about city living. Firstly, that Singapore is the best city in Asia for expats. <laughs> like we care. And then also probably, but not coincidentally, uh, ranked as the most expensive place to live in. So this got us thinking... For you, what is the value of living in a city? Or do you kind of wish you could just leave? You can call 77332900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So, uh, to begin with the true starting point. According to the Worldwide Cost of Living 2023 survey, Singapore is the most expensive place to live in the world. They share this position with uh, Zurich. It's worth saying that I, I think if you hear Singapore and Zurich like that, it's it'll sound familiar, it'll sound like an echo of years past and it's it's really because it's been the case for nine out of the last 11 years. So the results are not a surprise. Now, before we get into more of the details on this, I, I think just to explain the premise of today's show, when I first saw this stat, um, my initial thought, surprisingly, was not to bag on Singapore, even though that, that's become my role on the show. I don't know why I love Singapore, but... Um, my initial thought was how, as a city person myself, born and raised, um, I felt a, a sudden surge of... Um, impotent frustration because the fact of it is that for all of us living in cities it's so expensive it's so expensive and then other things start coming up the traffic the infrastructure the all of it and that just had me thinking about city living and and the well i mean the pros and cons basically the benefits but also the drawbacks whether how expensive it is is actually worth the life you get here, right? Because um, we could easily think of all the benefits of living in a city. And I'm very much a city born and bred person. So I almost feel like it's it's difficult for me to think about this without a fair amount of bias. Um, you know, the access to facilities, the the jobs, the, um, you know, the community you might have built, uh, the cosmopolitan lifestyle you can have, arts and culture, all of these things. But the reality is that the flip side of that is traffic. Traffic jams, cost of living, which we've already talked about, crowdedness, the lack of access to green spaces in some cases. Unfriendly people. I was going to say just people, people all around you all the time. So is it really worth it? Is the trade-off in the end worth it? Um, it's actually a very interesting question. Yeah, but because, you know, the flip side of the cost of living is also job opportunities and, in fact, higher wages, right? So there's that. Um, and then some cities really get their act together, and Singapore does, on many levels. Uh, so you'll have the green spaces. You'll have... Yes. Okay, so there'll be, you know, rush hour, you know, intensity on the, you know, rapid transit system aside you'll get there reasonably fast, and right? And you walk through a nice park. 
and to do you'd it. walk or you can <laughs> cycle and there are all kinds of opportunities but you know some things are kind of unique in Singapore and that can't be replicated elsewhere or at least it's much more difficult but yeah i mean so when a city does well when it recognizes its problems and then works hard to resolve them city living can be quite wondrous i'm mean, i'm like you i'm a city person i wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the on the planet ah but you say that i remember though so many of my singaporean friends during the lockdown was when it first dawned on them how claustrophobic it can live it can be to live in a city when you can't do anything else and you can't go anywhere well, else well yeah because in a way singapore is like club med the room is not the point the house is not the point <laughs> yeah. you know the point is that you should uh, unless you're wealthy um, because otherwise the point is that you're you're minutes away from food from convenience from transportation it's all these different things so even if as in the case of you know your singapore's and your hong kong you're you're living in a shoebox shoe essentially it's close quarters you're surrounded by lots of people it's a very high density development It's okay because the point is you head out and there's a park and there's an otter and you know, <laughs> there's an otter. I like that. Oh, Singapore's a, it's club med. You know, you're gonna get hired by the Singapore government, Lena. You're, you're not careful. All bad. Yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure no, what's gonna you're happen. gonna get hired. They love that. That's a wonderful idea. I mean, it's like Singapore. You know, you're a citizen living in a resort. You know, kind of thing. I, but you have to head out all the time. <laughs> no, but see, I think it's not. I don't think it's a coincidence that even in uh, places like. Uh, Mumbai and and Delhi I remember reading this that the first thing most people did um when the lockdowns happened was basically decide and especially when remote work became a reality was to decide to leave the city and go and live in the hills nearby or back to their family farm and choose to work remotely because they wanted to have things like space and and access to nature and just not be around crowds all the time when they couldn't go out so when, this yes. is the the key well, thing when they couldn't go out but also realizing hey now work doesn't mean I have to stay in the city. Yeah. So why am I staying here? So um I I will just say before we we open it up to the floor that there are a few things here that that factor in, right? Because okay, Singapore most expensive city to live in, which prompted all this uh pros and cons, you know, kind of all these pros and cons thoughts but it also Delirium. ranks yes yes exactly uh, it also actually ranks the highest in asia for quality of living and i think that is where we do need to have a conversation about cities and and what that might mean because um so it's 29th in the world it's tied with adelaide which actually is a very livable city um but in asia at least it's highest and what they talk about is singapore's consistent clean and safe environment and efficient infrastructures those are the main reasons behind the ranking but that same survey which is a mercer survey also uh, included cities political and social environment health education recreation and housing so when we think about cities i think those are kinds of kind of some of the parameters we can consider now we are three city people so we want to hear from you know not just city folks like us but also people who've come here what that experience has been like so for you today is a city conversation what is the value of living in a city or if you had the option would you rather just leave that number to call is 77332900 send us a voice note or whatsapp 0187898899 tweet us at bfm radio be firmly motivated BFM 89.9 
It is 6.16 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn Sharmila and Sharad. And today we are talking about living in a city and asking you, what's the value of it for you? Um, what What's the stuff you really enjoy? What's the stuff you would miss if you weren't here? But on the flip side, do you wish you could just up and leave actually, if, if you had that option? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. 2900 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp. 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have a caller with us. We've got Linda. Linda, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening, uh, everybody. I just would like to say this. When I was a young girl, I was born in Singapore. So I came to Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. So it's from one city to another city. I must say that right now I'm sitting in a traffic jam, so I don't want to be for that matter. But yeah, at that point of time, I was looking back. Um, it was the public transport which was so easy in Singapore compared to here in Malaysia. Unfortunately, maybe because they're much smaller, but I had wished that all the 14 states in Malaysia could do the same. So coming from there with easy access to public transport, not having to think about sitting in a traffic jam, coming back from school on the train, you know, on the um, light rail and things like that. So that's the main difference, quality time. You don't lose out on time waiting for something to happen when it's going to take you minutes and probably hours to get from one place to the other. And of course, schools, they were allowing only people to go to schools near their homes. They didn't allow you to actually choose a school, whether it's going to be a good school like 20 kilometers away or was it going to be a, you know, a residential school that you would choose which would be in a different state. So... This family bonding thing and, you know, being able to uh, come home on time, to be someone who doesn't waste your time on the road and be able to put your mind to studying. That was what I actually enjoyed when I was there as a kid. Um, right now, I work in Malaysia. I don't see much of a difference now compared to before because probably 20 years down the road, Malaysia would be just at par as some other countries in this world. However, I would not want to pack up and leave. I'm quite happy with what I have. And we must remember that Singaporeans don't all live in shoeboxes. Some of them are rich enough to have houses um, you know, landed houses. My grandmother had a landed home in Juniang Road or in Serangoon Gardens. So I must say there's something we do not know. Uh, we believe that they are not happy, but we're not sure whether that's how they feel because I'm sure the comfortableness, the comfort that they're enjoying. And some of my neighbours had children working in factories and they were wearing Bruno Magli shoes. I don't think I can afford a Bruno Magli shoe here or even to that extent. So I guess every country has got their own um, specialty or, I must say, um, uniqueness for their people to feel happy to be living in that particular country for the reasons that they themselves can choose and understand or make sense out of it. Linda, you called yourself a city girl right at the start. I'm just curious, does your love for living in the city still um, persist? Are you still a city person? Yes, I'm still a city person. I guess I wouldn't want to be too far away from the banks. I wouldn't want to be too far away from, you know, going for the um, uh, night activities that I, I look forward to. I wouldn't want to be living away from all those amenities. And mind you, I live 30 kilometers away from the place I work. That's why I have this long jam I have to sit in and endure. But 
I enjoy meeting people. So I guess city life will always be my life. The hustle, bustle way of living is still something I look forward to. Linda, thank you so much for calling and for sharing. I think it's lovely hearing from somebody who um, still feels, you know, as invigorated by the city after so long. Because I think it can be very easy to start getting cynical. Um, we started off the show, I think, by... I, I don't think we were being cynical, but in even in talking about the cons of city living, it's very easy to veer towards... It's just an end, you know, like a noir narration. It's just an endless stream of people. It's just this and that. The night was dark. The streets were grimy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And perched on the. Um, actually, what I loved about Linda is also, um, and I particularly enjoyed this in conversation. Hearing from people who have lived in different cities and different types of cities is always interesting. I've been lucky enough to be able to live in a few different ones, and I, it. it gives you a new perspective on what you actually enjoy about being in city centres and uh, the things you value about, well, in my case, KL, uh, the things I missed and the things I don't miss quite as much. Yeah, it's interesting that Linda had this comparison because exactly my experience as well, except I did live uh, as a teenager in Singapore. And, you know, I both cities, uh, Kuala Lumpur and Singapore, have changed. Uh, maybe it's Singapore more rapidly. I think it's, it's a function of wealth, really, more than anything else. Uh, you know, the federal government of Malaysia has to spend money across the federation, not just in one city. The other thing, of course, is um, there is a conversation that was quite rich in Singapore 30 years ago about quality of life because then they were um, they were terrified that they were a cultural desert and so you know you know there are there are people given to this kind of self interrogation so they wanted uh, not everything but some and they really wanted to change that and you know the government put a lot of effort into rethinking uh, the meaning of creating a great city. I'm really glad you brought up cultural desert because I think actually for me personally, um, as someone who has several privileges, I, I grew up here, um, I have a car and so, you know, moving around is, is not... Uh, is moving around and having access to that kind of transport infrastructure is not the main thing I think about in a city. Um, I think such a huge part of enjoying city living has to do with cultural access because truthfully that would be the main thing I missed. I, I think that I could um I, I think that I could make it without a lot of the the creature comforts that I'm used to here, you know, access to to a supermarket within reach in any direction, you know, things like that I think I could get used to. But the the availability of cultural events, of cultural spaces, of things like that, of things to do, basically, um, I would miss that a lot. Well, it's I think it's no coincidence, actually, that cities like Canberra, um, which in their inception were viewed as boring, sterile places that basically were just government staff and people created it so that the government staff could live there. With respect to Canberra, it's not the best city. I, I, I was so startled I've never, by it. I've never been. When did you last go? I'm curious. Uh, right before the pandemic. So in ah, 2020. Okay. Okay. So not so long ago. Mm. That's it, right? They've been making so many efforts to attract um, cultural um, events and, and spaces and uh, fund things so that there will be that sort of cultural buzz happening in Canberra. Um, I've also heard that they are putting a lot of resources into making their food scene exciting. And I think it's because people don't just want to live in a city because they want to make money there. They want to be able to spend that money um, in ways that are meaningful and, and uh, enrich you. 
Yeah, you know, the, I brought up the cultural desert thing because it's not an easy, it's not something that's easy to fix. Unlike transport and all these other, you know, green spaces, all can, that can be done. The The problem is that, you know, for somebody like me, I always had this envy of those who lived in the metropol- the great metropolitan centres of the world, right? Uh, especially when you talk about European culture, right? So you think of the Parises, of the Londons and New Yorks, of, you know, that, that the wealth of transatlantic cultures. And then the museums, like amazing museums with art, right? That somebody living in Asia might only access through books. And then you don't get to see scale, you don't get to see textures, all that is missing. So, but then I think that, you know, we can compensate in different ways in finding our own strengths, right? Leveraging the fact, leveraging on the fact that we live in, uh, or located in Southeast Asia, which has a rich culture. But I don't see that happening necessarily with our institutions. I don't quite, I'm not quite sure why our institutions haven't leveraged as Singapore does. Singapore's so small it's always looking out. Um, so this small city island situation, I, w- I would like to draw a comparison to Penang because TIDJ says, living in the city is a necessity. I'm not here because I want to be here, but because employment opportunities are here. I'd leave the city and move to a less hectic place if I could find employment with similar pay elsewhere. Having said that, I can barely stay in Penang for a week before I crave the entertainment that I'm accustomed to in KL, and that is Penang, a somewhat developed location. That's interesting because is, I right? know some people who are so passionate about living in Penang um, and would say that it, you know, it's the best city in Malaysia. Uh, and primarily because they feel like you get that sort of island living feel, you get the beach, you also get culture, the food is great. You get the traffic too. You get the traffic too. But then KL also has traffic. So yeah. Okay, so maybe it's all relative, right? So anybody living in KL might find Penang a little parochial. Anybody living in Penang might find, uh, you know, an Alostar or uh, Ipo yeah. uh, parochial. Uh, you know, apparently today in the East Coast, uh, Kuala Trunganu, and in fact, Trunganu itself is called Trunganu Daral Event, because in comparison <laughs> to, uh, to Kelantan, uh, Trunganu's cultural life and events life is very, um, it has a buzz that Kelantan uh, and its government doesn't allow it to have. And so, uh, so it's, I think that's one thing. And then, of course, you know, if you go to... Um, you go to Singapore today, you feel a bit like a country bumpkin because how because of the sophistication that Singapore has, um, you know, kind of developed. I, I'm fascinated by the Penang comparison, partly because when you first get to Penang, I think for most visitors, it can really feel like there's so much to do. Um, you turn a corner, there's a new restaurant, new cafe, new event space, there's something going on, there's a bookshop. And then after that, you start to realise that you're walking the same spaces over and over again. And that's just a function of size and scale. And I, I think that there's something to be said about that, that if you are accustomed to a very large city um, where within a 30-minute drive or a 30-minute train ride, whichever the case might be, you can access something new and you get used to that, uh, it can be very hard to to go back to anything. Stephen says, um, traffic jam is one issue, but food is the main factor. This is interesting. Food around KLCC are mostly franchise chains. They are mostly expensive. Uh, the suburbs is just nice for me. Lots of food nearby. Oh, suburbs is a whole other um, part of the discussion, right? Because um, actually, what exactly is KL and KL City um, is also so subjective because I know people who live in, let's say, Satya Alam um, or Kota Kemuning, and then they 
a lot of their life revolves around that area. Are they technically... They force you to go there. They force you to visit the truth. And then they'll tell you the food there is great. Stephen, are you one of those people? (laughs) Um, To be fair, some of the food in Kota Kamuning is great. Um, But I am curious as to whether they consider themselves city living, uh, living in the city, or is that actually just suburb living? Okay, so I have a thing here, uh, which is that I I said I was a city girl born and raised, but actually when I was born, PJ was in a city. So um, I'm a PJ girl, not not a KL girl. And so during the pandemic, I found myself quite struck actually by how much easier and better it was to access something like food uh, near my house than in, say, downtown Kuala Lumpur. I think this is a true point, that if you're around KL, um, that it can feel like just pockets of food, because if you're really in the CBD, the Central Business District, it gets a little tougher in comparison to a suburb and coffee Especially shops. if you can't walk into a mall. Yeah, uh, There's a difference, though, between visiting a city and, I think, living in it. Sure, and, yeah. And for me, Penang would be a very different experience if I was living in it. And then I wouldn't be so concerned about just concerned consuming culture, I think I would be looking around saying, who are my neighbours? What kind of network of writers, artists exist? And I think this is the potential for second tier or smaller cities in, in Malaysia. They can be a hub, a cheap hub to draw in creatives. And I think that's something that's not been explored. So we're talking today about living in cities. Um, and we want to know, what, for you, is the value of living in a city? Um, what is it that you enjoy? Would, what would you miss if you left? Um, but also, simultaneously, do you kind of wish that you could just up and leave, frankly, if you could afford it? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Backing female ministers. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It's 6.39 and you are listening to Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. And together, a city folk are talking about city living. Um, And this is because of a bunch of surveys recently in which Singapore came up tops in a variety of ways. Um, They, well, are the most expensive place to live according to the Worldwide Cost of Living survey. But they were also ranked highest in Asia in a separate survey for quality of living. So we just wanted to talk about that push and pull when it comes to cities and ask you, for you personally, what is the value of living in cities? Uh, you know, what would you miss if you left? Or conversely, would you leave if you could? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start with a voice note that came in from Alvin. I am from Kuantan. And if you give me a chance, I will definitely go back to Kuantan. But the thing is, what kind of person we are? I'm a salesman and the place where I can get the most sales is definitely in KL. So that's why I'm in KL. I'm trying to grind as hard as I can to, you know, make a living and, you know, be financial free. But of course, one day, if I can, I want to go back to Kuantan. Alvin, thank you for that. Uh, Also, sounds like you're in a car in this weather drive safe. Um, (laughs) I I think... I love that. I love that because I think that we've talked about hometowns a lot on the show and this is a sentiment that comes up a lot of, yeah, I had to come to the, well, Kuantan's a city too, but I had to come to the big city in order to make my money and if I can, I I, I would really rather go back. 
You know, I just want a quick thing about people on the East Coast. And uh, because, you know, uh, myself and some colleagues, we went over to the East Coast. We did a series called East is Green. And and we talked about happiness and why people in Klantan, uh, you know, uh, top the happiness index in Malaysia. And part of it is the, the kind of trade-offs they want to make, right? They want the clean air. They want the, the ease of living, the lack of pressure, the... And and they know that they, um, as consequence, they don't the wages are lower and so opportunities are less. But they are willing to make that trade off. So the job thing is real, right? I've worked in the media my entire adult life. Um, it's not possible really to get jobs in many other places other than in big cities. So even if I thought of moving outside of Malaysia, so inside Malaysia, probably KL, Penang, maybe uh, maybe KK. Kuching, there are opportunities, but outside of that, I'm not sure, right? And outside of Malaysia also, um, it would be another city where they are the bulk of the media jobs. Of course, now with remote work, there are more possibilities, but still in terms of what makes sense, I think for many people, that's the big draw about cities. Um, Brian, though, is saying, if I had the financial means to leave the city, I would. I'd rather live outside the city. I got a taste of living away in Kampa when I studied in Utah there. The fresh air, less cars, less pollution. Only reason still in the city is because of access to high-speed internet and slightly closer to workplace. Even then, the jam in the morning is 45 minutes. Jam home is one and a half hours. You know, I've heard of people who do this, you know. Uh, they work very hard in the city. They buy a small place or rent a small place. And they're saving that extra money they save uh, because they're renting, not buying, uh, in and investing in a place outside the city. And that's where they run to on the weekends or where they could uh, they they dream of retiring to. So these are strategies that can work maybe for a particular group of people, not others. But it is definitely something that's within our grasp. But I think the way Malaysia is, you can live in a city and also access the non-city, the outside of city. Yes, but you know what I find interesting about both these points is that they're both people who have actually experienced living in a smaller yeah. space. Because I, I do think that us uh, KL people in particular idealise smaller towns or in fact rural areas as, oh, it'll be great. It'll be great. I'll, I'll build a cottage. I'll get a cow. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really not that simple at all, you know. And in fact, we, I would say, are uniquely ill-equipped to, to, to do that. And yet we act as if it's just something we could do tomorrow. Actually, I'm ready. Um, and it's nice to hear from people who are saying, look, I've done it. I know I can. And there are very, you know, very specific things that I want to achieve with that. Uh, we've also got a caller with us. We've got Shasha. Shasha, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening. Um, I have been actually working in KL for the first eight years of my life. I was in life, sorry. And then I got transferred to Tunganu um, six years ago. And I have done KL, I've done Tunganu, and I've I've had the best work-life balance in Tunganu. And honestly, I have been, uh, I found out today I'm getting transferred back to KL. So I'm really not looking forward to it. I am a city girl. I'm, I've been, I'm, I'm born in Klang, um, worked in KLCC itself. I loved my time in Chungandu and I'm not really looking forward back to KLCC. Yeah. Shasha, you, you mentioned the, the balance uh, in terms of, you know, just work life. But were there specific things about Trunganu that you, you enjoyed, you know, that's specific to the place? 
Um, yes, uh, for one, it only took me seven minutes to get to work, as opposed to <laughs> two hours, and I, I had more time for myself to do what I wanted to do, and um, I could, I, I have, I had time to actually read and complete a book, um, you know, in a few days, which I couldn't because I had to work late and you know. Um, on time so I can actually, I never used to see the sun rise when I was working in Kiel at all and um, in Trenganu I, I could see all this and I don't know, I felt, I felt I learned a lot about myself more when I was, you know, when I had all those removed all this noise in Kiel. Shasha, can I ask you, if you, if Kale solved its transport problems, would it be a place that you would happily return to? Um, I would definitely return to Trungano or anywhere in the East Coast uh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> Shasha, thank you so much for calling and for sharing. So, um, sounds like a no, Sharia. Yeah, no. and, and I can see, I mean, I did spend, you know, that time on the East Coast, and I've, of course, been going to the East Coast for many years, but it is, and it's the landscape, you know, especially what is, you know, the places by the beach, it's just extraordinary, right? It's, it's a different place, it's, and it's magical for those reasons. Well, there's this message from Nosrat, who is living my dream life, um, and I think links up to what we're talking about, because Nosrat says about living in the city, I grew up in PJ Subang, very urban, but I now live in Kota Kinabalu, which I think is a city which is near perfect for me. Easy access to public beaches, parks, hiking hills with picturesque sunsets, adequate facilities like banks, commercial centres, hospitals, food, supermarkets and so on. Even the traffic is manageable within the city out of rush hour, which is usually quite short. The only thing that KK really needs is better public transport. I would have difficulty moving back to KL from a fine city like Kota Kinabalu, but I definitely will be okay with somewhere like Alu style Kuantan, maybe a smaller town when I'm a bit older. I've also lived in a small town in the Philippines for work. It was fantastic as there was fresh and cheap fruit and vegetables, friendly people everywhere. And um, this makes me so happy because I... I have a familial connection to Kota Kinabalu. I visit there quite often. And every time I go, I think to myself... If I could, I would. And and um, a big part of that is job opportunities. I don't know how many... BFMs Yes, I think so. Yeah. So so there is, you know, in terms of opportunities, it's tough. Um, I'm also struck by the difference in cost of living. You know, food costs a bit more, drinks cost just things cost more. But every time I'm in KK, I think if I could, I would. No, and, and you know, Nostrat makes a great case for it. It sounds like This is what I've been saying, <laughs> but but better. Nostrat said it better. No, um, I don't know. Like, I, I think because I'm a KL person, um, to my mind, really, if if I were living in Malaysia, I wouldn't live anywhere other than KL. But I think that has a lot to do with my attachment for to, to this city and of growing up here and all the places I know and, and being familiar you know, with what life is here. I've realized life is life. that you... Uh, and you've talked about this before because you don't have a hometown. I don't. Um, yeah. That actually your relationship to other cities in in Malaysia is really different. It's because, like a tourist. Yeah, because yeah. I've I grew up visiting Ipoh. I grew up visiting Bentong's not a city. Because both but, my parents also don't have uh, hometowns yeah. that we would go back to. It's very different. Yeah. You, you know the thing about Malaysia is, and I, I just visited uh, Sabah actually a couple of months ago and uh, and stayed in KK, but I didn't go. Far, I went to Penampang maybe. But things are developing. The small town is a very um, interesting proposition. 
I learned that Kudat now is a bit of a Russian town. For some reasons, Russians have come to live in Kudat. And so, you know, you have this, these bizarre moments where a small town can take on characteristics that you never expect and, and, or would be completely drowned out in a big city like KL or in the greater Kalang Valley. So, yeah, uh, but I, that's, that's one of my, um, it's on my Malaysian bucket list is to go to Kudat, Russian town. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating. I, I, I also want to go now. I don't <laughs> know. Kudat. Yeah, to Kudat. Kudat. I'm not sure. To, to eat like Malaysian caviar <laughs> and just experience whatever Russian oh, the, culture has. The Sabahans have that. They, they call it a kind of caviar. It's actually an algae or. Yes. Uh, Sea grapes or, sea grapes. or yes, right. something, yes, something like that. Course. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, keep those thoughts coming. They are continuing to pour in. We'd like to hear from you. Personally, what is the value of living in a city? Um, what are the things you would miss if you left? But conversely, do you also just kind of want to up and leave if you could afford it? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Backing feminist movements, BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. It is 6.50 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. And together we are talking about living in cities and asking you, for you personally, what is the value of that, of, of living in a place like KL? Um, or do you kind of wish that you could actually just leave if you could afford it? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. So, um, okay, let's let's do one that is plumping for not just city living, but KL. Munif says, I don't know if this makes sense, but I love the scale of big cities. In a weird way, I love feeling small. Everyday life is so monotonous and droning, drowning in the routine of normalcy. But when I look up and I see oversized steel and concrete towers all glazed and wrapped in trippy, vibrant facades, they're like giant organisms to me. And we walk, we walk amongst them, between their feet. It's like a fantasy setting, but tactile. Each perspective you glance in an expressive city like KL feels unreal with enough imagination. If even for brief moments, I am in my own microcosm of fantastic things. I am rested. Monif, I love that. I, I vibe with that so deeply because I love I love cityscapes. I lo- love looking at the way different cities and different parts of the city looks. Um, so that was so beautiful. Um I actually think it, there's a reason I love cyberpunk as an aesthetic in film so much. Um, it's because it, it it's actually spaces that both that I, I feel weirdly comfortable in and comforted by, uh, but also actually, you know, it's a commentary on, on the problems that we face. So, OK, so in the first Blade Runner, right, um, the character that Harrison, Harrison Ford plays has a tiny little apartment. But there's nothing wrong with it, right? In some ways, it just fits with the entire city. So even though I think the image of the, the vibe, if you like, of that city was dystopic, right? It's supposed to be a kind of grim view. There was something really beautiful and attractive about it, you know? And I don't know if that's what you mean, Shamala, when you talk about, you know, cyberpunk or the what you like about cities. But I, I think with, along with Munif, I love big cities and I mm. love big Asian cities because of the kind of hustle and bustle. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. The feel of the city is just quite something. Can I, though, pick up something from Munif's point that I've never thought of, um, which is in an expressive city like KL. And I really love that that word because I think, again, when you live here, it's very easy and we, we're guilty of this ourselves. You know, every time we talk about another new mall, another new highway, here's a flyover, you know, it, it, it becomes very... Um, our infrastructure is ugly or, or there's just too much of it or there's, you know, this and that. And I think some of that is true. That's fine. Um, but thinking about the city in an expressive way or as one that has a lot of expression is is fun and actually very true of KL, which you notice from time to time when you're actually... Well, I was going to say when you're high up, but the truth is it's both when you're high up um, or when you are walking ground around level. ground level mm. and you have the time to look up or, or look around. It's because it's an organic city, isn't it? Compared to, I don't want to bag on Canberra. I've not even been. Well, I, can, I can, I can. Putrajaya, actually Putrajaya <laughs> yeah. potentially, right? And Putrajaya is actually quite beautiful. I love it as like a backdrop to photos. But the beauty of a, an organic city like KL is that it actually literally changes before your eyes and you can see each layer of that development in the spaces that you walk around in. And I think there's something really quite beautiful about that. Yeah, and you know, KL has, um, and maybe not appreciated often, uh, except in a very negative way, is its cosmopolitan nature, right? So both on the highest level in terms of how worldly we are and connected to kind of international, you know, uh, you, um, lines of, uh, of you know, the flow of commodities and such, such, but also just on the ground level of people coming from all over the world. So Kambara stories, right? And, and the fact that they did, because you talked about um, uh, food and, and, sorry, Little Russia, Russia town. Um, Kambara stories did the, the walking tour of um, Bangladeshi restaurants and Nepali restaurants and Filipino restaurants that are right in the heart of KL. And that's amazing. Well, maybe then it's time to look at this from Mizi, who says, I'm from PJ. I worked in KL for 18 years, uh, 80s through to 2000. Now I mainly move around PJ, the fringes of Shah Alam and up to the Bandar Utama area. No, I don't miss KL. The so-called development and progress of it has completely wiped out the KL I know. All the flyovers, the new road system, traffic jams and foreign tourists and workers have made me the stranger in my own hometown. I wonder when the same encroachment will happen to PJ. By the way, by the way, I have KLite and PJN friends who have to live in Ipoh now because their EPF or pension was not enough for the high cost of living. So I think the high cost of living is something we can return to because that's something a few other folks are bringing up. The the point about feeling like a stranger, partly because of the amount of foreigners in a city, I think that's interesting because so I um. I, I did a little jaunt down to KL um, last weekend. I, I took the train, partly because I wanted to experience what we're always talking about. Um, may, maybe not fair to do it on a weekend, but I just wanted to see what the what the train systems were like. And um, it was, I, I did encounter a lot of foreign workers on their day out. And I really felt actually very one with them. I, I, I did not feel like it was a separation. I, I felt like we were all... I don't know, part, part of the city, part of the country. So it's a curious thing. I wonder how much of this is just a sentiment thing in part. 
So I understand feeling like a stranger in your own city because yes. of the way the city has changed, right? I get quite irritated and sad and very complaining, in fact, about going to my old school area and, and feeling like everything looks different. I don't even recognize this place anymore. And I grew up here. And I think Is that... Is it Bukadana's? Uh, no, I went to Convent Jalan Peel, actually. Oh, right. So um, the Jalan Peel area, it's completely different now. Um, but the people never make me feel that way. And I think it might be because actually the amazing thing about growing up in KL is that you're never just surrounded by people who look like you. You're constantly surrounded by so many different types of people that new people and migrants into the city is almost a, f a facet of the city, not something new. Yeah, and I mean, and it would be true even with the development of Kuala Lumpur, right? If you talk about the history, but um, when I worked for a television station, whose name I cannot mention, um, you know, we were first located in downtown KL, and I loved it before we went to the mothership, which was in this <laughs> oh, godforsaken car park. I mean, when I was in KL, to walk out and to, to be able to eat all these different things, to see all these different faces. It was so, it was the real Malaysia in many ways. And, and there were so many, uh, potentially, the stories out there. And what's happened in downtown KL today, Mizi, um, uh, um, is, is, is actually reinvestment. So you think of the Rex KL area, all that has been reinvested yeah. in. And, and you have a jostling of the old Pataling Street feel with the new Pataling Street feel. And I, and I personally love that. Ah, so actually that point about a changing landscape is interesting because that's one of my favourite things about KL, actually, that... Um admittedly very frustrating when you're driving and it's a road that you thought you mm. knew and then suddenly before you know it you're on a highway and you head it to the airport <laughs> like oh okay um but but generally speaking the the sense of the changeability the fact that you you walk around and you're like i thought this was something else mm. something new is coming up i watched klcc come up it's part of my childhood mm. and for me i know some people are really irritated about what happened to the area but for me it's such a core memory the, the 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 sort of wonder of watching this this megalith come up. You know the other thing that's happening in KL is your nice little pockets, like the Chongsan building and the little activities go on. So somebody who's like like me who is interested in the arts, visual arts and stuff, um, that is nice, right? Because it all it's visual artists, but also people archivists and all these strange little projects. It's a wonderful little home and it's a part of Kale that's still scaled down, even though there's this huge highway that's been sort of, that's leveled, the, I think, the hill right behind it. But nevertheless, you know, you find these pockets that you um, can uh, identify with. Let us know, for you personally, what is the value of living in a city? What would you miss if you left? Or, uh, frankly, do you kind of wish you could leave? Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Banish feudal mentality. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 7.08 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn Sharmila and Sharad. And today we are... Actually, our reason for doing this show is very flimsy. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> we just wanted to talk about KL. Um, because we are actually talking about living in a city. We're asking you, what's the value of it for you? Why do you live here, basically? And do you kind of wish, if you had the money, if you had the opportunity, 
would you rather leave? Um, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. The flimsy reason is Singapore. It came up in a bunch of surveys. Uh, one in the Worldwide Cost of Living Survey, most expensive place to live. But in a separate quality of living survey, they were the highest in Asia. Um, and that was because they, they talked about environment, uh, efficient infrastructure. So we're examining, I think, a few different things here because it's some of it is the hard stuff, right? Like the buildings, the transport. But a lot of it is also cultural. And that's how our conversation's been going. Let's start off on the side of things with a voice note from Dylan. Hello, hello, BFM. Um, for me, I think living in um, KL, for example, even though like I'm stuck near at least one and a half hour now from federal, um, back to Subang but I think still worth it because sometimes I think KL we get the perch line all the concerts is here and then you have the warehouse sales where you don't get in other part of the um, city right so sometimes all this uh, factory clearance warehouse clearance uh, freaking chips good deals I think we have a lot of uh, fun stuff over here um, on top of that, of course, that in terms of the accessibility of some of the items, for example, like some people were like saying iPhone you don't have in this state, that state. I think we get much plenty of the stocks in um, KL for some items as well, not only those um, branded stuff, right? So in terms of the um, opportunity here is also quite great. I love that, um, except for traffic, of course. One, it rains. Um, it's horrible, right? Yeah, it, right. <laughs> I think <laughs> you have simply put, yes. Um, so a, a point there in favour of, frankly, abundance, right? Just this and sense, shopping. Yeah, that, that the city has everything, that, that there's an abundance of stuff, there's an abundance of things to do, that there is this feeling of there's just a lot. And opportunities for love. I, I think it must be said because can you imagine living in a small rural community? I mean, the opportunities to, uh, you have to meet other people and different people are just dramatically less. I mean, this is actually, I know some people might feel uncomfortable talking about this, but the truth of the matter is if you live in a big city, you're suddenly, um, you know, I mean, there's a smorgasbord of people that you can choose from. And, you know, and it, it comes with the concerts. It comes with, you know, the gallery openings or the bars or the restaurants. All these are opportunities to meet other people. And I think that is something we have to acknowledge. So whether for love or for friendships or to have a social circle, I, I completely agree. I think um, one of the things I would miss the most if I didn't live in a big city is just the um, the serendipitous meetings that you have from, I don't know, attending an event or um, sometimes even just walking around, right? Or you're having a coffee and then you meet an interesting person who's reading a book that you want to ask about. Um, I'm not saying this might not happen in smaller cities, but just because of the sheer number of people, it happens a lot more in bigger cities. So, uh, people. Zukifli says, I've been staying in KL since 1979. I don't think I could live in my hometown, moi. Reason being, 
the crowd is different. Uh, Zara says, I've lived in four big cities, one small city. I would be scared to move to a small town because I would be scared of not being able to find my people or activities like dancing or art. Uh, There's one more message which we'll get to, but I think this feeling of my people, um, of being able to find my my tribe, of, you know, being around like-minded folks, that's that opportunity that you're talking about. Yeah, there's also, and Zulkifli makes a mention of Moa, where my grandfather, having come from India, settled actually for a while uh, and and uh, worked there. But Moa today is actually a sweet little town. It used to be, I think, major. It was called Banda Maharani. It was a major part of, you know, the Johor Empire, as it were. So, um, uh, but it's declined in its fortunes, except now rubber wood, I think, is driving, um, not only it's driving demogra- uh, demographic changes in Moa. So today, and Zulkifi, you can correct me if I'm wrong, today you'll get about 30,000 Nepali, uh, mostly men, working in the rubber wood factories of Mora. And they bring another vibe to uh, the city, the small town. Really. But I think the whole, um, I've the crowd is different. It's actually a, a significant thing to feel, right? Um, and this is something a lot of people I know who moved out from smaller towns or even villages into the big city often say that uh, now they, they, they can't really fit in when they go home. That often they feel like they are already outsiders. Uh, while it's nice to have the nostalgia of old friends and family, that their, their tribe is in the city. Well, Ling also says, In city living, the division in society is at the socio-economic level. I love that I have a lot in common with people of all cultural all cultures in PJ. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've noticed smaller towns are very divided by race. The kampongs are the same. School and commercial area too. I would not want to just mix with people of one race only. Is that true? I'm, I'm not entirely sure because I haven't really lived in a small town. Uh, I don't think uh, Moa, say, we take Moa as an example, is, is true of it. I've met, interestingly enough, in the last couple of years, uh, going there, uh, a little cafe that was used to be the Freemason Lodge uh, has been taken over by somebody who used to live in the US, came back to look after her parents. And, and then another person who works in Singapore, but remotely, but, you know, situates themselves in Moa. And around the, those new working arrangements, you could have all kinds of things develop. And so you find, so maybe new tribes. The nostalgia for the past, okay, like, what can you do about that? So but- I, I think it can, it, it may depend where, because your point, Lynn, about me being a tourist in most parts of Malaysia also means that I, I have that sort of outsider's view of these spaces, right? And one of the things that do tend to strike me when I do go to smaller towns is um, how homogenous many places can look. Uh, that you go out um, and, and most people are of a particular community. Um I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. It might just be the history of that space. Yeah, so I think I'm wondering here how much of this has to do with history um, versus people's choice. Ah, In other yes. words, that I'm actively choosing, you know, I to I don't think it's choice necessarily. Yeah. I just think it's, I mean, we have a, a colonial history of people being put in particular places. We've and, also got and, Chinatown and, and Little India. Yes. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> even in KL. So, so I, I don't know that it's people deciding they don't want others. I just think that that's just how the, the makeup of that place has turned out. And also when people do that, what you do get is the development of, say, uh, restaurant culture, right? So what we do have in KL today would be an area where you have a lot of Bangladeshi restaurants or an area where there are Nepali restaurants, you know, the cookery and this and that. And uh, and that's only possible because you have certain concentrations of people who would demand that particular service or those goods, right? And so for me, yes, the, you don't want to live in a homogenous world, but I don't 
know if it's uninviting. If that's the point, that you're not invited in as a consequence of not being from that community. And I've never felt unwelcome in any kind of culturally homogenous space in Malaysia. I never felt that I was, maybe okay, maybe some people stare at me, lah, but that's a different kind of thing, right? It's not necessarily unwelcoming. So I think we should talk about infrastructure a little bit because we've spent quite a lot of time talking about culture. Margaret says, ride hailing and ambulance services are dismal outside cities in Malaysia. Uh, Akash also says, definitely living in the city, there's so much life, um, parks, places of interest, food joints, but also um, public transport infrastructure in KL, or cities in general, are so good that we don't need a car to rely to go everywhere. Um, meanwhile, we also have uh, Husni who says, I've lived in a suburb in the Klang Valley all my life and as such have been able to enjoy the benefits of living in a city like easy access to facilities while also having more space. It's just the commute that, uh, the commute that's a pain. If our transport infrastructure was better, so, so this is the push and pull, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. I'm stuck in traffic now and it's taking me more than an hour to get home. If our second tier cities had better job opportunities, I would consider moving. I uh, just wanted to say I lived in the UK briefly while I was studying there. And while it's nice to be in one of the big cosmopolitan cities of the world, I think KL has its own unique charm. It's not perfect, but I've since appreciated the city a lot more. I think um, all of those are such I, I, such good points. And I think really what it comes down to is you want a place that you can navigate and go about your daily life uh, in a in a convenient and comfortable manner, right? And we started the show off by talking about, um, you know, what makes a city livable and what makes it um frankly, attractive to live in. And I do think that infrastructure, public transport are parts of uh, a big part of that. Um, the fact that we are getting better is a big plus. I love the point about the second tier cities and, and, and sort of upping their game as well. You know, Lynn Akash mentioned uh, that, you know, we don't actually need a car. And I wonder about your experience going on TRX mm. the other day and taking the train system. Was it doable? Yeah, it was very doable. Um, it also didn't take as long as I anticipated. But um, having said that, I live near a train station um, and then I work here in Tamantun. And if I were to try to take public transportation to come here, it would be at least four times drive, uh, the, the amount it would take for me to drive. So I, I think it really depends, right? Because my behaviour that day was of a tourist in the city. It was not as somebody who works and commutes daily. Yeah, yeah, and that would make I, I a couldn't, difference. Yeah. I couldn't take public transport to work either. Um, I could take a e-hailing ride, uh, but that—that that, I mean, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to take public transport. Yeah, so KL, I think, over the last 25 years has changed so much in terms of public transport or transport options. Uh, but when I first came, it was difficult. In fact, as a consequence, I actually moved every time I changed my job. You right, know? because that's how you structure your, your yeah, life. Yeah, because I, I didn't want to spend two hours, right? So for me, giving up a rented apartment wherever it was, was easy enough to do. I moved to somewhere close enough that it made sense for me uh, in terms of how I wanted to manage my time. Um, Steve, by the way, also says, I grew up in Shah Alam, Klang, Subang. Now I work in KL, so I'm a through and through city boy. I love the city for its blend of many cultures and people. I love city infrastructure, architecture, the convenience and proximity to everything from recreation, food, healthcare and other services. Uh, the biggest downside is traffic and cost, but I don't think I would trade an equal paying job to live in a smaller town. So, so that one is really city mm. loyalty. Um, it's always nice to visit other smaller towns to escape the busyness of the city every now and then. But after a few days, I start to miss the city again. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that 
very much matches the sentiment of a lot of KLites. Keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you, um, basically, what is the value of living in a city for you? Do you wish that you could actually just leave if given the choice? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Buggy free minimum BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It's 7.21 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn Sharmila and Sharad. Uh, together, we're talking about city living, asking you what is the value for you of living in a city um, or whether you would rather just leave, really, if you could afford it. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Shamila, I'm going to trigger you um, <laughs> with this message from Rosmawati who says, I was born and raised in a rural area kampung type house. I hated the mosquitoes and scary ghost stories, somehow only affecting those who stay outside the house in the kampung after dark. I studied briefly in London. I love the city. However, not all cities are charming. I found KL to be unfriendly if you're not rich, um, public transport users, etc. Uh, I will try very hard not to be triggered. Um, it's too late. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> so I, I actually used to use public transport a lot, especially during my college days and my early years of working. Um, and it, I, I agree that KL can be unfriendly. It depends also where you live. And, and, and to your point, Sharad, I think if you rely exclusively on public transport, I think you adjust the decisions you make and where you socialize and where you might choose to live and work accordingly. Um, and I think all of those things make sense. I, I think KL is is a very warm and, and exciting and fun city. I think also it's just the perfect sized city. It's not too big. It's not too small and there's always something to do um i hope i hope you experience changes i wanted to respond also earlier to uh, steve right i am though in my older age feeling like i could live away from the city as long as i was within one hour's one hour's drive away um so i understand some of the frustrations and and i think people might change what they want out of living in a city too yeah, definitely. I think as you grow older, you do change. I, when I came to KL, I was 29 uh, and I found it exciting. I mean, only if only because it was so different from the Singapore I grew up in. And um, I actually had a column in a newspaper called The Pedestrian because I developed the sense that this was going to be my intellectual uh, project. I would experience the world as a pedestrian. I would walk. A flaneur. Yeah, flaneur. Oh, my God. Okay, yes. I mean, I was, you know, sometimes you can't be a, quite a flaneur when you're trying to avoid potholes and uneven pedestrian walks, but, but you could still walk through life and look at people. You could observe them in detail and there were always curiosities. Kuala Lumpur was full of curiosities for me. And I, Rosma Mati, I don't know why you've missed out of it. I don't know if it's a gender thing, but I, I do think that Kale has that. It, it, it does have layers. Um, Fats Lee says, I stayed for a few weeks at my grandfather's kampong, a place called Teluk Pasu in Tranganu, and I nearly went crazy with boredom. There's only so much fishing one can do. Cows stink. So no, I can't give up city living. That said, I wouldn't mind switching to a city with a slower pace of life. I lived four years in Adelaide, and the slower pace just agreed with me compared to KL's more blood 
blood pressure raising pace. <laughs> and um, I love the mention of Adelaide because um, weirdly, again, a lot of familial connections for me. I, I have family there, so I've been there um, fairly often, spent a fair amount of time. I couldn't live in Adelaide. Um, it's a beautiful city. I think it's a sister city to Georgetown, I want to say. I remember yes. seeing the, the, yes, the banners. I've never been to Adelaide. Is it as big as Kuala, uh, Kuala Lumpur? No. It is not. It's, it's about as big as Georgetown. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it's a very small city. Oh. Um, and it's very, it's lovely. It's incredibly livable. I spent more time there in my 20s and I felt like I could not, I wouldn't have been able to make it work. Maybe now or when I get a little bit older, that would change. You know what's changed for me most significantly? I, I, I lived in Perth actually during my university days me and too. I used to think, oh my God, this whole city is just two streets. How can anyone live here? But you know what's changed is I think the internet. I think the internet has made um, content and entertainment and, and connectivity so much easier. Um, it's also made... Uh, the ability to run a business yes. easier. So so to work, in other words, to work remotely, but also, frankly, if you were entrepreneurial, I think having that kind of internet mm. access does allow you theoretically to work from a lot of places. I do wonder about Fadli, though. You know, Fadli, the, the, I don't know if this is what's happening. When when a city person goes to a rural area and then the, you bring with it your expectations, right, of entertainment and things you can purchase and places you can go, and the, it, it changes completely. And I think maybe the whole uh, what is required when you move into a space like a, a rural part of Malaysia is that you need to turn somewhere else. You either turn inwards and you live a more contemplative life as your person or you start finding projects, right? So instead of purchasing things and 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 entertainment you go out and you do farming and you do and so well, yeah and well can relate i just to say cow. um <laughs> to that smelly cow because edward uh is saying having been brought up in a small dainty town called suramban I, I love the mention of suramban is dainty uh, i always dreamed of living in a big city so when i got my first job at the age of 26 in kl i up and left without thinking twice. Um, I just want to compare my experience living in KL and Sremban. Nightlife is dead there. The variety of choices I have in KL, many. I could go to a live band in any bar. I can join any social activity, which is very, very scarce in Sremban. Friday nights, basic. Going to the same old joint over and over again gets boring. Having said that, weekends in Sremban are the best. It's quiet and slow. It's the exact pace to slow down and just chill. So yes, my point is, yes to a big city from Mondays to Fridays for the culture and then yes to living in a small town like Suramban in the weekends for peace of mind. So I think there's that kind of trade-off that with maybe not the cow trade-off, but a trade-off of sorts. Uh, because okay, and it's just one hour away. Yes. This is exactly my point. Um, I'm increasingly thinking this is what I want to do. So TK is also saying, I stayed in Sentul for more than 29 years, moving from condo to condo. It's convenient, but polluted by noise, traffic, smoke. Since my boys are grown up now, my wife and I ain't getting younger. We've decided to move to Semenyeh three months ago, stay in a landed property. No regret. Every morning we get to hear birds singing fresh air and retire peacefully. See, I want to be able to go to a, the um, a play on a Friday night. I want to be able to go out for a nice meal every so often. But I also want to be able to hear birds sing. Okay, so you want to be essentially in a satellite town of a big city. And One hour would, drive, yeah, I think. Yeah, so that, that would be the kind of ideal scenario. Like living in Balik Pulau 
and then accessing Georgetown if you were in a Penang situation. Yeah, perhaps. Um, okay, I think we've got time just to close off on this, which I really wanted to get to because um, Mr. Shifter says, I grew up in a small town. I came to KL to study and then work. I've got so used to the big city and so many opportunities here, not just for the adults, but for the kids. Just this month alone, my kids went to a novice swimming competition, performed at a music musical concert, and there is another concert next week. You can't get that in small towns. Isa also says, unfortunately, KL is where all the best therapists, understanding teachers, inclusive schools, inclusive attractions, Actions, parks, science centre, sports, etc. Wife and I grew up in Bangsa, lived our adult lives in PJ and Tamantun. If our daughter did not have a disability, we would definitely be looking to live in the countryside for cheaper land, less traffic, better air, so on. Oh, those are such great points. Inclusivity. And also a great reason, again, why other spaces need to catch up in terms of being accessible and inclusive. And I have friends, you know, with children with disabilities for whom that also drives their their choices of where to live, right? Yeah. And cities definitely have that. And I think that's an important part of the, the conversation because we've, of course, been talking as adults. Um, but it's, it's interesting to consider the ways in which cities need to adapt for everybody. Um, okay, we might revisit this topic some time because I think there's a lot to cover. But thank you everybody for getting in touch. This has been Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.